You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again to the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman, and I'm here with my co-host, McQuaid Arnold. McQuaid, how are you doing today? I am stoked to be back for another week of this podcast. We just got back from our annual trip to the Brewers game for the Wisconsin Sports site. It was a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it from from the you know social media posts and stuff I saw, I wasn't able to make it. Uh, living on the Pacific Northwest, it's a little pricey to get out <laughs> yeah, to Green Bay, uh, or yeah. not Green Bay, but Wisconsin. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, maybe I'll be able to make it out for a similar something similar in the future. Yeah, I think we're going to do some more in the future. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we don't really have much news here, kind of the depths of the offseason. Um, so we were we did do a mailbag. We've got some questions here we're going to uh, answer, get to. Um, but first, McQuaid, he had, uh, you had an interesting story, uh, I believe it was either today or a couple days ago, where you kind of wrote about um, some possible uh, additions the Packers might make in free agency as the offseason goes on. Yeah, so Rob Domoski, the, the Packers ESPN beat reporter, um, released his, his early 53-man ranking for, or excuse me, 53-man roster for, um, you know, week one for the Packers. And, and he added in part of it being that he thinks that one addition that could be made and thinks that Packers are actively pursuing is signing someone at the pass rusher position um, slash, you know, outside linebacker. And this is something that we've talked about, I think, yeah. in length all offseason. I think the only other position that we've seen um, – talked about in nauseam as far as adding a free agent is is wide receiver you know wide receiver and then pass rusher so the yeah. fact that rob Domoski is is now report on it um would make you think that there's definitely talk around the uh front office and 1265 um, lombardi avenue as far as um actually bringing in someone and, and it, it would make sense you know one year removed from green bay trying to do, this, do the same thing with Whit- whitney merciless yeah uh, who unfortunately tore his tore his uh I think it was his, his pack. Um, I think it was his way, bicep, maybe somewhere maybe around there. Bicep, yeah. yeah. Either way, had a season ending injury and, and uh, so going into this season, you know, and that was with basically Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary being our only two pass rushers. We're going into another season of just that. Um, now with Zadarius Smith officially gone. So I think this is, this is a move that, you know, not only would make sense, but it's something that, that Green Bay has done exactly one year ago. So, um, and then on top of that, you know, this offseason, there's a lot of, of pass rushers that are still available. We're sitting yeah. here mid, uh, end of June, almost early July, and there's still quite a few that are available that we could see be taken by almost any um, team out there that, that needs any kind of pass rush. Um, and the three names that I had that I, that I included in my article were Justin Houston, who's been a, you know, Hall, Hall of Fame caliber career for the last decade or so. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, who's 
um, still had success even in, in his mid thirties in, in Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl a few years ago. He's he's actually averaged eight eight sacks a season over his last uh, four seasons in Tampa Bay. So his his play hasn't um, fallen off. And then uh, Dante Hightower, who I don't know if you would claim him as a necessarily pass rusher, but he would be a uh, very, very, very good inside to outside linebacker who can yeah. um, fill gaps anywhere on the defensive line. So those are all pass rushers or, or slash Whitney Merciless type players that, that Green Bay could come in and sign um, just like they did last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we like you said, we've talked about, you know, possibly adding an edge rusher. The depth there is kind of dubious. Um, they're, the Packers, if they didn't add anyone, they would be depending on a couple pretty young and unproven players to step up into significant roles. So I would definitely, you know, be pretty stoked if they were able to add a, a veteran there to just just give some quality depth. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of the extent of the news. Uh, like I said, it's kind of the dry season, the NFL schedule. Um, so we were able to get get a mailbag in, uh, get a couple questions. This is something we'll hopefully be doing every month or so, um, up at, at least up until the season begins or preseason around there. Um, so I'll just go ahead and dive into some of these questions here. Um, so I posted this, uh, a couple of, uh, one from Facebook here from Garrett Stritzel. So Garrett asks, what are some comparisons of the 2000 Baltimore Ravens and this year's defense that can be made? What is the best guess for this team to have in shutouts, points allowed, yards allowed for the season? The weak conference should be a help in this. So, um, I did a little bit of research, just kind of looking at the 2000 Ravens. I don't know that they'll be super comparable just because the Ravens defense was kind of in a whole different era where there was a lot more focus around, you know, rushing the ball rather than passing. And that's where the Ravens really had their strength, right? Uh, they looking at their stats, they were first in the league in rushing yards allowed. They only allowed 970 rushing yards. They are first in the league in touchdowns allowed on the ground, only allowed five all season. And then they allowed a average yards per carry of 2.7. Uh, which again was first in the league. And so uh, comparing that to their passing stats, um, which were a little bit worse, I mean, they were all still in the top 10 for the most part. Um, they In passing, they allowed about 2,997 yards, which was eighth in the league. Uh, they allowed 11 touchdowns, which was second in the league. And then they had 23 interceptions, which was fifth in the league. So I think that the, you know, the Packers defense for a couple different reasons is going to be, different from the, the Ravens 2000s defense. I'm not sure if like the Packers defense, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that they'll be like one of the greatest defenses of all time, which the 2000 Ravens were. Um, I think they could be a very good defense and maybe the best defense of this year, but I, I don't know if I'm willing to go to that, those lengths. And, you know, I think that the focus will be more on defending the pass rather than defending the run. And we may see teams, you know, put up some, some rushing yards against the Packers, the question is going to be, you know, can the Packers defend the run enough with light boxes to make offenses pass the ball more? You know, it, it's crazy to see these type of questions regarding <laughs> this, this defense. And, and I mean, it, it's, uh, it's all across Packer Nation, but this, we, yeah. we got to remember, this is a defense that ranked, I think it was it was 22nd or 23rd in, in DVOA last year. Yeah. In middle of the pack in, in a lot of major categories. So, um, but that's not to say that they don't have that potential to be that number one defense this year. It's just we have to temper mm-hmm. expectations. If, if we if Green Bay has a top ten defense this year, I'm happy with that, right? Yeah. In, in most major categories, top ten, I'm happy with that, right? I think that Aaron Rodgers can win a Super Bowl with that type of of defense. However, 
right? We we gotta remember this is a defense that was was bombarded with injuries last year. They're getting back their best cornerback and possibly the best cornerback in the entire NFL in Jerry Alexander, and added added to a secondary that already played lights out last year. Um, and then you know they 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 brought back possibly the best inside linebacker who uh, that Green Bay has seen at least single season worth wise since you know, maybe AJ Hawk, but I don't even think AJ yeah. Hawk play, played the pass like, like uh, Devon, uh, Devonta Campbell did last year. So the, the, we, I think I, and I'm, I'm on the board with it. I'm on board with being, you know, with number one defense league, but I think we also need to remember that if we just top 10, that, that's a major improvement this year. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Like, like you said, I think there were all aboard, you know, the defense being one of the best in the league, but I think, you know, we need to, you know, not, necessarily like start comparing them to like the 85 bears like we're not I don't know if it's going to be it's just hard to say if they're going to be you know that caliber of defense because that's like a once in a lifetime defense for the most part for most teams and so yeah it's kind of kind of risky or a dubious to, to claim that type of production um the second part of his question was kind of interesting he uh Garrett asks so what was the best guess for shutouts points allowed yards allowed um I kind of took the path of comparing it to the Ravens defense again, um, but that's not necessarily what we have to do Um, for shutouts. I think it's a little bit uh, shutouts. I think are a little bit hard to predict because I think they depend on a lot of different stuff that can uh, vary a lot year to year, like turnovers. And so that's something I don't know. That's a a reliable predictor for defensive success. Um, I would, you know, if the Packers get a cup, like two to three shutouts, the, in the year, I would be ecstatic with that. I think it's possible, especially with like how weak the Bears are, some of the weaker teams the Packers play, like the Washington uh, Commanders. They could maybe shut out some of those offenses, but I don't think they'll. You know, I I doubt that they'll be able to get you know more than maybe two shutouts or maybe three. I think that that um, you know exactly hit in the head. You, you can never predict, predict a shutout. A, a late you know garbage time touchdown could ruin a perfectly good you know, shut out performance from a defense. Yeah. But however many times, I think a, a better question is how many times the Packers defense holds an opponent under 10 points. Right. And that is a, that is a, a valid question. I think that could happen four to five times this year. And that might be even on the, the lower end. You know what I mean? They have a, a favorable strength, uh, strength of schedule this year. Um, the bears twice and the lions once are both candidates for, for at least three of those. Um, like we've talked about with with how bad the, the you know that Bears offense is projected to be, um, yeah. But uh, just like anything else, you can't you can't you know um, guarantee something like that. But uh, holding holding opponents to to two scores or less is 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 very realistic. That could, fourteen points or less that could happen mm-hmm. eight games this year. That could happen half the yeah. season this year. That's how good this defense is. Yeah, and just to kind of so the Ravens, like we meant, kind of covered. They they were in a different era of uh, football where there's a lot more focus on running the ball. They allowed about ten points per game. A couple of the better defenses we've seen in recent years, the 2021 Bills allowed seventeen points per game, and the 2020 Rams allowed eighteen point five points per game. So I think that those like the numbers for the Rams and the Bills, I could definitely see the Packers allowing that, like around you know, 18, 19 points a game. Uh, I think that could be, uh, uh, you know, at the top end of what we could expect from them, um, even though it's not obviously guaranteed. But if they're, especially if they're, you know, in the top five, top three, I could definitely see that type of performance from them. 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest concern that, that I'm gonna see, you know, last year we had that that great, you know, legendary performance against the Rams. It was but the final score was, you know, forty or thirty two to, to forty six. Whatever the final score was was high scoring, right? Green Bay yeah. won. We won by eight points, but um you know, I don't know if, if, the, if Green Bay's offense puts up 42 points again this year against a, a, a above-average defense, and the Rams do have an above-average defense. So we're, it's going to be performances like that that we see this defense not allow the Rams to score 32 right. points and allow Green Bay to score 27 and still win. Uh, so that's kind of the difference. I think that that Those are the type of differences that I want to see this year yeah. uh, going from last year to this year. Yeah. And then uh, the last part, uh, the yards allowed. I mean, the top defenses the last couple of years, they around, allowed around, let me see, around like 2,800, 2,700 yards oh, for the entire year. So aim around some, somewhere around that. I think you'd be pretty happy with that performance. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, like we kind of have mentioned a couple times, you know, I think it's a little bit too early to proclaim the Packers defense potentially one of the greatest of all time. I think we could say, you know, they could be top five. They could be the best in the league. I think that's reasonable with the personnel that they have. But, yeah, I don't think I'm ready to, you know, say they could be one of the top in history. Yeah, um, that's high hopes there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and another question, uh, on Facebook about the defense actually comes from Andy Monday. So he has a two part question. Uh, one, he asks which Packer should do ads for quick trip. And then he asks which improvement in the defense will help in the red zone D the most. So, uh, first question, which Packer should do ads for quick trip? Um, McQuaid, uh, what do you think about this? (laughs) We can do some ads. A a great question. You know, I, I think that. There's a lot of good candidates, but um, I'm gonna go with with uh, uh, Mercedes Lewis. He's he's, mm. a, he's a fan favorite in Green Bay. Okay. People love him. Yeah, uh, I think people love to see him see him at Quick Trips and see him in those commercials. Those was kind of one of those different fan favorites, but everyone in Green Bay is falling in love with him in the couple of years he's been here. Uh, that'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna go with with uh, Rashawn Gary, kind of for similar reasons. He's becoming a fan favorite. You know, he, there's a lot of hype surrounding him. You know. Get him on, get him to do some ads. He can, I think, you know, sell some products for you. Um, yeah. And then uh, second part of his question, which improvements in the defense will help the red zone D the most? I'm going to go with, you know, being able to play more man coverage because that's, that's one thing I noticed about the defense last year is Joe Barry kind of liked to play man coverage in the red zone a little bit more. Um, sometimes he used it in blitz, uh, like blitz coverages, just man coverages without any deep safeties. Um, sometimes it was just, you know, straight man coverage, but I think that, you know, adding Jair back, having him as one of your top three corners and then adding Quay Walker, who can match up with tight ends and running backs. I think that being able to play man coverage, more sticky man coverage in the red zone will help their performance improve in that area. I'm going to, I like that answer. And I think that that's man coverage is one of those important things you can do in, in, uh, red zone defense, especially because so many teams like to throw that back shoulder fade in yeah. the end zone. Um, but I think I'm going to – in the, the direction – you, you touched on it, Quay Walker, but I think that, that having a red zone package that features both Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell is yeah. going to exponentially um, increase what your defense can do in the red zone, not, and not even just man coverage. I think man coverage definitely included in that, but you have two linebackers who are freak of nature athletes who can yeah. cover sideline to sideline. I don't think we've had a, a, an athlete like, like Quay Walker in, at the linebacker position in a long time. That guy – 
if you watch his film, he can go sideline to sideline. He matches running back speed. He he hits the the right gap often more times than not. Uh, and then and then you know obviously in the passing game that that speed comes into play. Um, bootlegs, rollouts, those are those are the type of plays that yeah. Walker will be impactful on. Um, I think having packages with both those linebackers on the field would be huge, absolutely huge in the red zone. Yeah, that, that's a good point because in the red zone, right, you're not def- – offenses aren't trying to attack deep. They're trying to attack, like, horizontally. And so having guys that can run sideline to sideline can be a really, really big, you know, important thing in that aspect of the game. Like, you, know, you think about – or go ahead. I was like, and, and, you know, like, I want to say pass rusher, but it, it's almost – you know, pass rushers are so often – nullified at this point at this part of the field because they're just it's three-step drop and they throw the ball that's, that's yeah. what red zone offices are designed to do so you almost have to choose you almost have to choose a different position yeah yeah and one of the things that kind of comes to mind of talking about like that horizontal you know, quick attack is uh chris barnes that goal line hit he laid down on that chief's running back in that yep. game that that's the kind of play that you know if you can get that consistently from your inside linebackers i think that that can really help your red zone defense yeah that would be huge We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and then uh, going to some questions that we got from Twitter. So these are a little bit more offensive-focused. There is one defensive question, one more defensive question. So we can start with that. Um, This is from Richard Fitzwell, at Gooseborn, or Gosborn, G-O-S-E-B-O-U-R-N-E-1. That's his Twitter handle. So he asks, who plays more defensive snaps this upcoming season, Wyatt or Walker? Uh, Do you want to take this one? Yeah, I think that... that, um... It is Devontae Wyatt, and I don't think it's close. And I don't think it's because Quay Walker isn't ready or he isn't impactful. I just think that Green Bay is going to see packages and see how successful it is with Wyatt and Clark on the field at the same time. And they're going to 
exploit that and do that all game long or as much as the game that they can, especially in short yardage situations, yeah. especially in in uh, um, red zone packages where I know I just said that pass rushers can, <laughs> can oftentimes be nullified in the in the red zone. But if you have two guys blowing up the middle of your offensive line almost immediately, it it, yeah. it, it, it does impact what you can do in the red zone. I think that Walker, or excuse me, Wyatt and and um, Kenny Clark on the field at the same time is going to be uh, very, very important to what this defense does on a consistent basis. I think that Walker is going to be slowly kind of brought into the pass defense, the the situational ball, the you know red zone um, coverages. I think that Quay Walker is going to be learning uh, for a long time, but I think that Wyatt can come in and, and produce right now. Yeah, that's. I think I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to say Quay Walker has more snaps, just because. Um, I mean, you make you make a good point. You know, if he's you know a little slow getting acclimated to the defense, you know, if Chris Barnes starts the year as the starting inside linebacker, kind of seems like it's trending towards Quay being the starter, but we don't know at this point. I mean, it's just OTAs. Um, I think that with how much the defensive line is rotated, uh, just for that reason alone, why it might spend less snaps on the field than Quay Walker, because the Packers are going to want to be in their nickel package with two inside linebackers or their three, four package with two inside linebackers pretty much the entire game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it could go either way. Like you said, if there's a, if there's some delay in Quay, uh, you know, adjusting to, you know, the NFL level. And I think, I can't remember if it was you who wrote about it, but someone wrote about it on Wisconsin Sports Heroics about how he was having a little trouble adjusting, right? He, uh, the game kind of, he was kind of just get, he was still getting his feet under him in OTAs. And so that extends if he has some trouble staying on the field, passing downs, running downs, whatever it is. Yeah, I could definitely see why it, uh, taking the lead in snaps. And, and I, so yeah, I think it was about him losing his confidence when, right. when he first got there, but, but, I don't – I – before we even address that part of it, I answered this question in my mind that both of these players were 100% ready to start and ready right. to go. I, I don't think that anyone challenges Quay Walker for that linebacker two spot, and I don't think that anyone challenges Devontae Wyatt for that number two defensive tackle spot. Outside, I mean, I guess Jaron Reed, he's he's going to be there. Um, and I guess that may, may throw some kinks into some things, but yeah, it, it, for what Devontae Wyatt can bring to this defense um, – they're, they're, I think they're going to love. I think they're going to love seeing yeah. big, heavy up fronts. And Quay Walker, he is not going to be utilized less than Devontae Wyatt because he's not effective or because he, right. he doesn't make the play. I think that he's going to be brought in more in situational, uh, situational um, football than and and Devontae Wyatt is going to be out there just consistently wrecking guys. But you know, it said it could go either way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we can move on to some offensive questions here. So this one's from Matt Pickett. That's at Matt Trombone. Uh, he says, at the midpoint of the season, which Packers player has the most catches and or yards, and how about by the end of the season? Um, he also asks a bonus question, but we can cover this one first. So at the midpoint of the season, who has the most catches and or yards? So that I, I took that as it can be a different player. Like one player might have more yards at the midpoint and one player might have more catches at the midpoint. And then he asked that same question for the end of the season. So um, I'll cover this one first real quick. So I think that by the midpoint of the season, I think that the leader in yards will be Aaron Jones, just because he's going to be involved in the passing game, involved in the running game as well, um, as kind of the new weapons get, get their feet under them a little bit. Um, I think catches, and I think 
this I, honestly, I think that my, my answer might be the same for both the midpoint and the end of the season. I think that Alan Lazard is going to lead the team in catches just because kind of he's the sure hand. He's the veteran who's been there a while. Um, he knows the offense. Aaron Rodgers trusts him. I, uh, you know, he has good hands, all, all that stuff. He can do some stuff in the offense. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that for both the midpoint and the end of the season, he'll lead the team in catches, and Aaron Jones will lead the team in total yards. I'm I'm on I'm on the same page as you when it comes to catches. I think that Alan Lazar is going to be that third down uh, reliable target that Aaron Rodgers kind of used Devonte Adams for, and it, for for and no other reason other than the fact that Rodgers trusts Lazard. L- Lazard has yeah. produced when he's been on the field. He, mm-hmm. he he's shown that he's reliable. He's reliable hands. So there, I don't think there's any there's any fall off when it comes to trust when with, with, with Aaron Rodgers and, and Al Mazard this season. Uh, if anything, that's going to make Al Mazard, you know, solidified as a green base number one receiver. But for, for yards, I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins. I think that he's mm. going to be that deep threat. I think he's going to come in and, and, and be healthy. He's going to produce. He's, he's already said that this is kind of his, this is it. This is his year. You know, he wants to show this year that, yeah. that, that, that he can come in and be the guy that he was supposed to be when he was drafted. I think that, he has high expectations for himself. Aaron Rodgers loves him in uh, in in Green Bay. Um, but to caveat of both of those, I think that both second in catches is Aaron Jones, and I think both second in in yards is is Aaron Jones. I think that mm. uh, Aaron Jones is going to be a huge part of this passing game. Um, and I think that while Al Lazard might, might might have the most catches, he might be you know third on the team in, in yards because. It'll be so many situational, you know, yeah. third and short, third and five type of receptions. Yeah, honestly, I think it can go a lot of different ways because um, I think that this is going to be kind of an offense where we're kind of like, you know, we've seen running back by committee. I think we could see receiver by committee for this offense. Like, you know, there might be f- four guys with 700 yards and seven touchdowns or something like that. And so it might not be like there's one clear leader in, you know, either catches or yards or whatever. Um, but there's just a bunch of guys who, you know, get production based on how Matt LaFleur game plans each week, where he's trying to exploit weaknesses, where Aaron Rodgers wants to go, all that sort of thing. So I, I think it's it's kind of up in the air, and I don't know if there will be a clear leader, you know, either midpoint or end of the season. But it'll definitely be interesting to watch. You know, if you want to, if you want to try and, and look at you know the glass half full type of thing, no one will ever ever say that that no that any team is better with Devonta Adams off the roster, right? How, right. But th- there is a big but to that. We I think we all saw many of those throws against the 49ers in the playoff game where it was it was Devonta Adams double covered and 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 someone else running open in the middle of the field and Aaron Rodgers threw it through Devonta because he knows Devonta can make those plays. If, right. If, if instead we have Instead of that connection in that game, in that situation, we have three or four guys who are all just, just good at what they're doing. Aaron Rodgers will, will, will have maybe have a tendency to to not just target in on one guy. And, and it is, it's kind of the, a, 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 a tricky line to walk there. Again, no way is any offense ever better with Devontae Adams off the field. But when you have when you come back and you possibly have Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and then fill in the blank, as as a just a good reliable target, the, the you know defense has to worry about all of them, uh, rather than, than you know just Devonte Adams. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the kind of bonus question that Matt uh, asks, he asked, do you do you think we'll pick up another starter level receiver before week one, and do we even need one? Uh, what's your take on this? Uh, so prior to Sammy Watkins, I've been beating the wall for Will Fuller. 
Uh, yeah. I, love, I love Will Fuller. Uh, I know he's guys injury issues, I, but I think that that went out, to, went out the window when we got Sammy Watkins. Um, and so, I mean, at this point, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's Julio Jones or, or, or no one. Um, I think he's the last big name out there. I don't think there's any way Green Bay spends some money on Odell Beckham Jr. for half a season, even though I would like that move for a playoff push. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. if he's not signed by half of the season, yeah. if he wants to make, maybe at that point in time, we can revisit this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but at, at, at this point in time, we have no need for Will Fuller as much as I would love it because we got Sammy Watkins. Um, and so I think that, you know, we're, we're among the, the three or four favorite teams assigned Julio Jones. Um, and if we don't see an unfortunate injury in, in uh, training camp or, or OTAs or, you know, what's to come, then, that definitely skyrockets uh, that likelihood. But if, if we go into week one with all the ro- all the wide receivers that we have on the roster right now, um, I think it's kind of a, a 49% chance that we do sign a wide receiver, you know, 51% chance we roll with what we got. So I think it's close. But yeah. if, if, not, if nothing changes between now and then, I don't, I don't see a sign of nuts a wide receiver to be honest with you as much as I would love it yeah <laughs> yeah I, I kind of agree I and I don't think at this point they're going to sign anyone major at least um I just think the money doesn't really match up with the need there right where the guys that we could add like you said Hula Jones would be probably more expensive than Green Bay would be willing to pay so uh, I, I think they'll probably just roll with who they have and you know adjust in season uh, as they might need to and uh, given who's available um but yeah, that'll, that'll be another thing that we'll be obviously watching as uh, training camp rolls along and maybe we see some injuries. Hopefully not, uh, but that can, can always happen. You know, I think, um, that, I think that if Green Bay does allocate money, because they have money. I mean, they're, what, they're mm-hmm. second right now or they're right now in, in NFL cash space, so they have the money, right? So that's that's not necessarily, right. um, you know, holding them back. But I do think that if they were to allocate funds to something, I think that I don't even think, I don't think wide receiver is number one on their list. I think it's, like we talked about earlier, the, the 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 pass rusher, and then safety number three. You know, we have yeah. some, some possible you know guys on the roster who can come in and contribute. But if you want to make a, a splash splash move for like a Landon Collins, who's a free right. agent right now, who's going to come in and not be asked whatsoever to be your starting coverage safety, but he comes in and plays box safety, plays hybrid linebacker um, safety role with with a veteran like that, Landon Collins, who's been to the Pro Bowl, who's played outstanding football and now you're asking him to do you're asking him to have a shell of the responsibilities that he used to have on a defense where he's not the best safety anymore and he and he, he buys into it and, and yeah he it. that's where i see money you know allocating and and, and or, excuse me being allocated to and and our front office being more willing to spend on rather than you know you know julio jones or, or something like that yeah, and, and you know, as, as tempting as a name like Julio Jones sounds like, and I think that he would make the team better. I think that the path to playing time is a lot like quicker for some for like a third safety or a third edge rusher, right there. The wide receivers, it's kind of crowded with veterans a little bit. Um, not necessarily like well, well, we don't know for sure at this point, but um, not a whole lot of like top end names. But Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, there's a lot of guys at the top who are going to be competing for snaps and that, you know, as P- as players who have been in the system for longer than anyone they would pick up at this point, really, uh, unless, I don't know, they got out, went out and traded for Jake Kumaro or something. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that they would probably be 
earlier on in the depth chart, and so the dep- and so the path to playing time would be a little bit harder, just given you know what the offense offense asks of its wide receivers. But yeah, like like you mentioned, it's it's probably you know someone like Landon Collins probably makes a little bit more sense at this point, uh, just given money needs, all that sort of thing. Okay, so the last question we have here, we kind of covered it a little bit uh, with some of the earlier questions. Uh, Logan Hilgers at Bernie Bango asks, where does Aaron Jones finish on the team for catches this season? Um, I think we kind of talked about, you know, him being involved in the passing game a little bit more. um, So I don't feel like we need to rehash that a whole lot. Um, I would say he will probably be, I would, I think that he could be third on the team in catches. You know, if they throw the ball 65 times or something to him, it wouldn't surprise me. I think his career high was in 2021. Um, well, his career high in receptions, he had 52 in 2021. Um, his career high in targets was actually in 2019 when he had 68 targets, but he caught less of them than he did in 2021. So yeah, I think around 65, 70 targets would um, definitely be a possibility for him, and I think that'd be good enough for him to you know land third, maybe even second on the uh, depth chart depth chart in terms of catches. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean I, I think that that we're gonna see AJ Dillon be the leading rusher on the team. Yeah, but Aaron Jones is going to have more all-purpose yards, and right. he's, he's I, I mean next year. You know, Aaron Jones is set to make that 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 twenty million dollar cap hit, and and I don't think obviously I don't think there's any way that we pay that. However, I think that Aaron Jones is going to be asked to play a a type of role this year that won't make Packers fans or you know quite frankly the front office, which is the most important part, um, scared of paying him close to twenty million dollars. Right? If Aaron Jones comes out. And does what 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 I think they're going to ask of him to do: be a weapon, be a Debo Samuel, if you will, mm, right? This yeah. Offense. Um, yeah, Green Bay's they're they're not gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna pony up next year to to keep him in Green Bay. Um, and but at the end of the day, like going into this season, that is a type of role they're going to ask him to play twenty million dollars worth of value this year because right. of the wide receiver because of the running back that we do have behind him so that we have the luxury to place him wherever we want. Aaron Jones is going to be asked to do a lot this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, kind of like we, what we mentioned, talked about earlier, you know, just as, as they search for matchup problems, you know, maybe they try to get him lined up on a linebacker or a safety somewhere where he can get in and get an advantage in the passing game. I think he'll definitely be used as a weapon in that way. Yeah. Um, but that, that was kind of the last question we had. So, um, McQuaid, before we get out of here, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm no excited for uh, training camp. It's almost yeah. July, and uh, that means it's almost closer to football. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast, and have a great day or evening or whatever time it is when you're listening to this.